In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. This is the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, which means that we are halfway through this long green season, this season after Pentecost. Uh, We have uh, 26 Sundays after Pentecost, and so the last Sunday of November will be the end of this season. As we work our way through Matthew's Gospel, I want to remind you again of uh, my call for all of us to read through the Gospel of Matthew, beginning to end, so that we can have an understanding of the whole course of this Gospel, so that the the whole narrative is not lost to us as we uh, pick these uh, select passages week by week. We're at a point in uh, Matthew's Gospel here, 16, that is a a fulcrum point. It's a point on which the rest of the Gospel depends because it's asking the central question of all of Scripture and all of human history, which is, who is Jesus? Our response to this is uh, determining all of who we are and what we are. Uh, When we answer who is Jesus uh, is not only an intellectual question or exercise, uh, but it changes the very fabric of um, our individual lives and of our lives together and how we're going to determine what's right and indeed our place in eternity depends upon it. There are so many places where we can go in the Old Testament to see uh, the importance of who the Christ is and what the promise of the Messiah is. Uh, We're looking today at Isaiah chapter 51, and the prophet Isaiah answers for us uh, or explains to us um, many of the, the difficulties that we might have in our ability to come into this relationship with Christ. Um, The first one is, uh, then, what is required of us, if anything is required of us? And Isaiah answers this and says the the thing that brings us first to be able to even ask this question, to have this conversation, is for us to pursue righteousness and to seek the Lord. So for us to even be open to uh, this question, we have to be interested in doing what's right. We have to be interested in in who God is. We have to have some importance in in trying to figure that out. And this has to be something that's on our hearts and on our minds that we uh, desire to even come into a place of asking who Jesus is. He says that we have to look to the rock. uh, And the rock of God, of course, is the rock from which Christ Um, is risen from the dead, his own tomb. And so Isaiah uh, prophesies and uh, predicts uh, Christ's rising from the dead from this rock um, from which he is dug. He says, look to Abraham, look to the promises that I fulfilled for him. Look at what it is that I did for Abraham. And um, and what it is that he did is he called him forth and he multiplied uh, him. And so we see the whole scope of of salvation history here with the promises that God made to Abraham and that, that he filled in the people of Zion. When he talks about Zion, the Lord is talking about um, the people of God that come to worship. You'll remember that Zion is the mountain on which Jerusalem uh, resides. And within the precincts of Jerusalem are the tabernacle and the temple of God, the place where the people of God are called to worship him. So when he talks about the restoration of Zion, or he talks about making Zion right, he's talking about making our worship the place where we dwell with God, the place where we meet God to be right. And he does this um, in the promise of Eden. You remember that the promise of Eden is this garden paradise from the very beginning that God desires to dwell with us. And so Zion is the fulfillment of this promise of Eden. 
Zion is the place where we meet with God, where we dwell with Him, where we worship Him. And of course, we understand that Zion isn't just a place of geography. It isn't a place that we have to find on a map, but it's a way in which we interact with God. And uh, the, the hallmarks of our worship of God here are joy, gladness, thanksgiving, and song. And so when we come together in the name of Christ, when we come together to worship Him, to, to listen to the words of Scripture, these are the hallmarks of our life together, that we should be experiencing joy and gladness and thanksgiving and song. And when we enter into this way of living with God and this way of worshiping with God, now we're in that place of Zion, we're in that place of promise where the Lord promises to multiply us and to, to make us holy and to, um, to bring all of His peoples together. And we see that the promise is not just for the Jewish people, not just for the kingdom of Israel. And of course, uh, this is made to Abraham, right? He says, I will make you a people so that you are a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. So the promise made to Abraham isn't just that he would become a great nation that alone would worship God, but that through that nation, all peoples would come to worship God. And this is the promise that we see here in Isaiah 51, uh, verse 4. Uh, I will set my justice for life to the peoples. When he says the peoples, he's talking about all tribes, all tongues, all ethnicities, right? The Gentiles, all peoples will come to the Lord, right? And he will do this by his arm, right? It's God's action of salvation. He says, my arms will judge, and for my arm they wait, right? And so the people of God are waiting for the Savior, waiting for God to act through his Savior, to bring them to Zion, to bring them to the place of worship, to bring them to this place of Eden, this garden, where we will experience joy and thanksgiving. And the Lord fulfills this promise, right? He fulfills this promise in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He fulfills it, and He goes amongst the people, and He finally asks them. And remember, He's asking this question after He's fed the 5,000, and He's fed the 4,000, and He's um, conducted all kinds of miracles. And then He says, now um, on the basis of all that I've done, who do the people say that I am? And of course, they name prophets who are wonderful prophets, who have done wonderful things, but none of them even close to performing the kinds of wonderful miracles that Jesus has performed. Uh, and so he says, is this right? Is this who you say that I am? And Peter speaks for all twelve when he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what is Peter saying in this? Peter is making two distinct statements. First he's saying that he's the Christ, and then he's saying he's the Son of God. What does he mean when he says that he's the Christ? The Christ is Greek for anointed, right? The one on whom the oil is poured. This is the, the Greek translation of that Hebrew word Mashiach. The Mashiach, the Messiah, is the one who comes. This is the arm of the Lord that's been promised. When the Lord says, my deliverer or my arm, he's talking about the Messiah who will come and make all things right, right? Who will establish the kingdom of heaven. So he's saying, you are the one who will fulfill all the promises that God has made through the prophets, you are the arm of God. You are the one who will exercise his salvation. And as we see in Isaiah, salvation for all peoples, not just for the kingdom of Israel. So that's the first promise that he makes. The second or statement that he makes, the second statement is that uh, Jesus is the living God. This is Matthew chapter 16, uh, uh, verse 16. You are the son of the living God. And sometimes people use this kind of language very loosely, right? They talk about we're all children of God. No, we're not. We're not children of God. We're creatures, 
right? We are created just like dogs and cats and squirrels and oak trees. We are made by God, right? Uh, what makes us children of God is to be adopted by His grace, that we are brought into His family. And to do this, to come into the family of God, we have to recognize what kind of family we're being brought into. And Jesus is truly the Son of God. What does this mean that He's the Son of God? It means that He is of the substance of the Father, that He shares the same essence, just like my children share my essence, right? They share the same frailties, the same brokenness, the same mortality that I have, right? All the things that are essentially me, my children share. And the same way all the things that are essentially God's, Christ shares, right? So God's eternity, His glory, His power, His dominion, His omnipotence, His omniscience, right? So Jesus shares all of the eternity, all of the glory of the Father. This is what Peter is saying when he says, you are the Son of the living God. He's saying that He is God Himself. He is declaring Christ to be God. And this is an essential fact an essential fact that we need to know and that we need to not only understand intellectually, but that we need to allow to influence all that we do and all that we say. There was a book that came out some years ago by a regarded uh, Buddhist philosopher uh, by the name of um, Thach uh, Nhat Han, and he wrote a book called Living Buddha, Living Christ, and he uh, goes through all of the um, ethical uh, agreements that Buddhism would have with Christianity. And, agree, and indeed, C.S. Lewis in his book, Abolition of Man, also talks about what he calls the Tao, that there are all these things that all the peoples of history um, understand because we're made in the image of God, right? All the peoples of the world understand beauty and understand justice, right? You don't have to go to any tribe or tongue anywhere in the world and try to understand um, or explain justice to them, right? It's written on the human heart. We all know it. We all know beauty and we all know honor and dignity and, and these eternal truths. And so he goes through and he names all those things that in a Buddhist ethical system would agree with Christianity. And of course, all those things are true. And then he says, now Buddhists and Christians could come together if Christians would just drop this silly idea of the resurrection. They would just forget about that. And anybody that understands who Jesus is would understand, uh, well, then that wouldn't be uh, Jesus, right? Because he is truly God. Right? He is truly God, and He is God incarnate, God made man, so that man might become one with God. And if we drop our understanding of Him being God, and of Him being risen from the dead, then I forget about my own hope of resurrection. I forget about my own hope of eternal life. And in some ways, um, this kind of a plea to come into an agreement of a system of philosophy, which Christianity is not, is kind of like saying, well, you're married, it doesn't really matter who you kiss, as long as you're kissing somebody, right? And anybody that's married would have to say, uh, no, <laughs> that's not what uh, uh, being married means, right? It matters who you're married to. It matters who we're married to, right? Because we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And it's important that the bride knows who the groom is, right? This seems uh, simple to say, but people get confused about simple things, right? It's important that the bride knows who the groom is, and the bride's uh, response to the groom is so important, right? The bride has a role to play. She has an, 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 a dignity and an honor and an essential role. Her role is not a strictly passive one, right? She doesn't just do whatever the, the, the groom says, but um, she's participating, Right? It's more than just following, it's participating, it's honoring, it's a, it's a mutual benefit and a mutual honoring and a working together. 
And this is the, the thing that we are invited into as the bride of Christ, we, right? We're invited into working with our groom, with Christ, uh, towards the establishment of the kingdom of heaven. And so it's not just enough that we know who we're married to, right? That would be like uh, you saying, hey, have you seen Aaron lately? And I'd say, well, I know who she is, right? No, right? We have to be working together, right, in our marriage. And so it's important for us as Christians that we work on this kingdom. And so what does Jesus say once um, Peter um, declares him to be the son of the living God? He says, on this rock I will build my church. What he's saying there is not on Peter, but on Peter's declaration. So he builds the church upon this statement. So it's not the person of Peter, but it's the declaration of who Christ is. And then he gives work to do, right? He says, I'm going to give the church the kingdom, the keys to the kingdom, and whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose will be loosed. Whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose will be loosed. This is the work of the bride of Christ. This is the job that we've been given to do. And this brings us, of course, to the Great Commission in Matthew's Gospel, where he says, go into the world and make um, Christians baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and preaching repentance, right? Um, and, and the life of righteousness. And so this is the work that we've been given to do. We are the bride establishing the house. And when we leave these doors today, when we go into our schools, into our jobs, and we go into our places of business and, and our places of leisure, we are going, taking with us these keys of heaven. We are taking with us the responsibility of the household of God as His bride. And we are teaching repentance right, and, 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 and forgiveness. We're practicing it, right? We're talking about, I repented of the sin that I, that I participated in, and, and the Lord forgave me, and this is how He forgave me, and how my life changed, right? And I'm, I'm working on, on understanding a better way of living. I'm, I, I know that I have more repenting to do, that I have more knowledge and understanding of God and His kingdom, and that um, He's going to forgive me, and He's going to show me more how to live in that uh, kingdom of His. And so this is what we take into the world. We take this role of uh, repentance and forgiveness, this loosing and binding uh, that is part of our job as the bride of Christ, our life as His bride. And so this is uh, not an intellectual exercise. It's not a philosophy that we participate in. It's a, it's a life. It's a way of being, right? Um, it's, a, it's a relationship. It's a sacrament that means that our whole person has been changed. And just in case we want to take that as some kind of a, a pride for ourselves and think that we're really these wonderful people, uh, St. Uh, Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans um, that we're not all that, right? That this is the, the work of, of God that we're celebrating. In Romans 11.25 he says, Lest you be wise in your own sight. Right? Which is our temptation. We start to, to compare ourselves to others and say, well, at least I don't sin like them, or at least I don't have the problems like those people. Right? And this is not the Christian life. The Christian life is to uh, be humble before God and to submit before Him and to be um, cognizant of our own sins and of the forgiveness that He's given us. Right? To not consider ourselves wise in our own sight. For he says that um, in verse 32, God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Now what does he mean by it there, by consigned to disobedience? Does this mean that God makes us disobedient? Of course not. 
And St. John of Damascus does a beautiful job um, in his writing to show how uh, the Lord allows us disobedience. Why does he allow us to be disobedient? Why does he allow sin? Why does he allow death? He does it so that she, he can show his mercy to us, so that he can be merciful to us, so that he can forgive us and bring us back into his kingdom to display his goodness. And he does this by his own hand. He quotes uh, the prophet Isaiah chapter 59 here, the deliverer will come from Zion and will banish ungodliness, right? This is the promise of Christ, the promise of his action, the promise of his salvation that he will bring to us as he brings us up out of death, out of that rock, and he brings us into eternal life. This is the the role um, that we have to play. I asked um, our ushers to print for us uh, a rule of life, so you should all have this um, this uh, this uh, trifold brochure, um, the rule of life, uh, and we'll talk more about it um, in a little bit. But uh, you know, when I got married uh, to Aaron, I really could have used a nice list. You know, um, uh, what it means to be a good husband. You know, I've kind of had to stumble my way through it here. Um, uh, we have had. Uh, Christians living as the bride of Christ for 2,000 years and the wisdom of the church um, has been passed to us. And the Anglican Church in North America has distilled the wisdom of what it means for us to be um, to be members of the church. And they are listed here. 12 um, things that we need to focus on in the first part of this brochure. The 12 duties of the laity. And this is what I'm commending to you. These, these 12 duties of the laity. These are the things that we are called to do as the bride of Christ. These are the duties that we have to perform. And we don't do them by ourselves. We're not going off by ourselves to figure this out. We're not going off to read this and to do it alone. right? We do it as a group. We do it as a community together. We work um, together on this. We encourage one another in this. We support one another in this. None of us can do any of this by ourselves, right? But by the power of the Holy Spirit, through His grace and mercy, through the support and encouragement of one another, we as a church body gather together and we say, yes, these are the things that we are called um, to do in the ways that we are called to live. And we do that focused upon that rock from which we were hewn. That rock from which we were cut out. We were cut from the rock of the tomb of a risen God. He rose from the dead, bringing us into eternal life with Him. We are resurrection people. Our groom, to whom we have been married, is a groom of eternity, of resurrection of everlasting life, of forgiveness, of joy, of thanksgiving, of peace, of song, of wonder. May we never forget to whom we are married. Amen.